It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. This week's Discover Your Spiritual Identity TV program was about our calling to be the just. And that means those who live by a certain righteous standard, God's standard according to his word. This program is about our calling to be instruments of justice, which naturally flows out of the calling to be the just. Proverbs 21:15 says, "It is a joy for the just to do justice." And so it should be a part of our character, who we are. And let me say that if the church as a whole does not set standards of justice in our society, in our world, who will? Because we have God's perspective on important issues we're faced with in this hour if we are in intimate connection with God. Then we feel the heartbeat of what God wants and we comprehend things from his perspective. Here's the scripture that applies that title to believers. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. And it's actually from an ancient translation of the Bible that probably most of you are unfamiliar with. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now, the version I'm referring to says we are instruments of justice unto God. Instruments of justice, the means by which God establishes justice in the human race. So we are the standard bearers. We are called to be collectively the conscience of the human race that does not know God, the portions of humanity that are not aware of true salvation, then we should be the influencers. We should be salt and light and penetrating the darkness and changing people's lives. Now, let me define what justice is. It means that which is fair and equitable in treatment of others. It means moral correctness. It means adhering to principles of righteousness that demand just conduct in our relationship with others. It demands right assessment of circumstances that require righteous actions. And so to be a people of justice, to be instruments of justice, is not just confined to the courtroom. It's it's something that should permeate our entire lives. Now, justice is inseparable from God. Let me say that again. Justice is inseparable from God. Justice is called the habitation of his throne. If you enter the throne room of God, you enter an atmosphere of justice. In the Song of Moses, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, 
Moses said, he is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. And so he emphasizes it by saying it in the positive and then immediately saying it in the negative. He's a God of justice and he is without injustice. That's double emphasis that that's part of the nature of God. And then I love Psalm 37, verse 28, this says, the Lord loves justice. And so because it's a part of his character, he loves to see it evidenced in the earth. When the Messiah came on that great last few days of his life, he was demonstrated to the people as the fulfillment of Zechariah 9, 9 when he made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, it was prophesied. And I love this prophecy. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So why was that moment of his triumphant entry in Jerusalem used to magnify that aspect of his character, that he's coming to you just and having salvation, because they were surrounded by injustice perpetrated by the Roman government that was greatly oppressing the Jewish people. But here their king was, not a Roman ruler, but the Son of God, the Lord from heaven, who had come to reign among them, and yet his kingdom was going to be an invisible kingdom where justice reigns, and is still the same today. Government can be very oppressive. Our government is becoming more and more oppressive. Thank God for righteous conservative voices in government that are still setting standards that align with the Bible. And I believe we, as the citizenry of the United States, and if you're in another country, as citizens of your country, we should become more involved with what's going on in our societies. I need to, you need to, because uh, if we don't step onto the public forum, who will? Those who have non-biblical views, those who have views, worldviews, ways of looking at life in every area of life that are contrary to God's thinking on the matter. So God is attracted to human beings who manifest the attribute of justice, who maintain justice in the way they deal with others and assess situations. And a great example is Abraham, because when God visited him in a bodily form, he came to him along with two other angels, I believe, that assumed human form. And God deliberated over whether or not he was going to tell Abraham, what was about to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. And listen to what God said in Genesis 18, verse 19. He said, I've known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do justice and righteousness, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So he recognized that Abraham, in his role as a father, in his role as the head of his household, 
was administrating his affairs with justice so he could be trusted with the revelation that God was about to give him. And if you'll read the whole passage, you'll see that that precipitated God interacting with Abraham and Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. What if there's 50 righteous? What if there's 45? What if there's only 30? Or what if there's only 20? He prayed and he sought God and got all the way down to 10. Maybe he should have gone all the way down to two or three. But I think that's where Jewish people get the idea that to start a local body of Jewish believers, a synagogue, you need 10 people. Maybe that's uh, the reference that, that inspired them that way. Then God has a command for all of us. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Number one on the list is to do justly, which means as one of the just, to administrate the affairs of your life and your relationship with other people in a just way or controlled by attitudes of justice. You are fair. You are equitable in your treatment of others. To do justly simply means that. It means to judge the actions of others correctly with love as the basis of all that you do and all that you say. In other words, you promote justice in the earth on a daily basis in small ways because like Martin Luther said, injustice anywhere, or Martin Luther King said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So if in a small microcosm of your life, you can promote attitudes and actions that breathe justice, then collectively the body of Christ all over the world can have a very powerful and profound impact. That's why the Bible says, he who is spiritual judges all things. That's 1 Corinthians 2.15. A lot of people like to shut the mouths of Christians by saying, judge not. Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged. And within the context, I believe that means something different than what it's usually used to mean. Because there's also this scripture that says, he who is spiritual judges all things. I cannot make a final call on what should happen in a person's life. That's God's responsibility. But I am called to judge actions and attitudes, whether or not they line up with the Word of God. And we do that all day long, every day, with regard to our own actions and attitudes, other people around us. We're constantly monitoring our lives, judging whether or not justice is being displayed. So we promote justice. We constantly make those assessments. Proverbs 28 verse 5 says, evil men do not understand justice. If you have a corrupt lifestyle with no standards of righteousness, no embrace of morality, you don't have anything to judge the actions and attitudes of others by, nor can you judge the actions and attitudes of your own heart. You're just freewheeling, spinning in the mud and and throwing mud everywhere by your actions, just like a person that gets stuck in the rut on the side of a road. 
Evil men do not understand justice. Justice is supposed to be an integral part of our legal system, so much so that our judges are called justices. And when a criminal is caught and he's charged with a crime, many people say he's been taken to justice because that's the way it's supposed to function. Well, quite often, unfortunately, it doesn't function that way. On the highest spiritual level, justice involves correctly assessing a matter by three things. And I've already mentioned this to a degree, but I want to put it all in one statement. Three things provide us this mentality of justice and this heart set of justice. Number one, sensitivity to the conscience. Number two, alignment with the Word of God. And number three, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But Elizabeth shared something with me this morning that really grabbed my heart, that we need more than inspiration. We need aspiration. Because to inspire means to breathe into. But you can sit around and be inspired all day long and not do anything about it. But aspiration means to breathe out. In other words, it implies action as a result of internalizing some kind of truth. First, you're inspired, then you aspire to make a change in your life and to change others around you. This is something we're called to walk in to be influencers in the world. Now, who do you know who is an influencer in your city, in your neighborhood, in your region? Why are they influencers? Are they influencing in a just way? Or are false standards being set up that are corrupting your corner of the world, then something needs to be done. And unfortunately, a lot of people who do not respect the Bible are making our laws and affecting the way things are happening in our society. No wonder, no wonder one of the foremost constitutional theorists of the founders of this country, John Adams, offered the following assessment, and I quote, he said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. No wonder the constitution is not working as well as it should now, because it only works when respect for truth is resident in a society. See, freedom breeds license. Freedom breeds an attitude that you can get by with whatever you want to get by with because you're free to do it. So freedom, which is empowered and enabled by our Constitution, can be a good thing if people are religious and moral, but it can be a bad thing if they're wicked and don't care about the things of God then it gives them a license to do things and to live in certain ways that are corruptive. So we're in a, a situation now where chaos has come into our country, into our society. I think if there are two verses that really describe what's going on right now, it's Isaiah 59 verses 14 and 15. Please listen closely to these two verses. Justice is turned back, 
and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Let me repeat that. He who departs from evil makes himself a prey. People who are standing up for righteous values now are being lambasted by Hollywood, lambasted by politicians, ostracized by their communities. He who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him and there, that there was no justice. So God, in the next few verses, describes himself putting on the armor of a soldier and clad with zeal as a cloak and furiously intervenes in the affairs of mankind. That's what I'm believing for. The only hope for our generation is a massive move of God again, a wave of revival that will birth another spiritual awakening. God's not finished yet. God is not finished yet. He didn't quit after the Jesus movement and the charismatic movement. He didn't quit, certainly, after the healing movement of the 50s that led to the Jesus movement of the 70s that led to the charismatic movement of the 80s. It's been 30 years now. It's time, God. Move again. Open the windows of heaven. Let justice reign and let a change take place. See, the reason that justice is turned backward, in other words, justice turns its back on a generation, the reason that happens is because truth is fallen in the street to be trodden under the feet of men. In other words, truth is despised. I've read a quote by a Hollywood actor, a respected Hollywood actor, a loved Hollywood actor who is also a homosexual and very pro-homosexual, who said he uses the Bible for toilet paper. Truth is fallen in the street. When people say things like that, it's trampled underfoot. There's got to be a rise of people who believe quite the opposite, who are just as vocal and suffer the consequences of rejection. If we're ashamed of the gospel, woe be unto us. Truth and justice walk together. Listen to me. Truth and justice walk together. Where there's no truth, there cannot be justice. Where there is falsehood, deception, and duplicity, justice cannot reside. The concept of truth has lost its power because truth is no longer objective. In people's minds, the standard byword now is you can have your truth, I can have my truth, and we can both be right. Truth is subjective. You create your own truth. That's absurd. We would not believe that on a scientific level. Certainly, it should be just as unbelievable on a spiritual level because science has promoted the idea that we arrive at truth by observation, experimentation, and then analyzation or analyzing the data and then coming to a final conclusion. And when you do that, then you say all this other is based on false assumptions. It's untrue. And truth is what aligns with what we've observed over the process of this experimentation. Well, 
if the scientific world is based on the idea of objective truth, I believe the religious world should be based on the idea that truth is objectively the same. Listen, gravity exists whether you believe in it or not. You're being held to the planet Earth by this force called gravity that you cannot see. You cannot observe with your eyes. You cannot hear it with your ears. And yet, because the world's spinning a thousand miles an hour, and it's moving around the sun at about 70,000 miles an hour. And the solar system is moving around the core of the Milky Way galaxy at about 500,000 miles an hour. And the Milky Way galaxy is hurtling through space at about a million miles an hour. And here you are safe, sitting in your car, listening to this podcast or wherever you might be, instead of being flung out into space because objectively... Whether you see it or not, whether you recognize it or not, gravity exists. You can't refute it, even if you say, I don't believe in it. And there are certain standards that exist, whether you believe in it or not. Now, I've got a few things I want to mention concerning standards. Our society wants us to make sure we protect some endangered frog in a swamp but society at the same time favors the slaughtering of the unborn in the womb all the way up to the moment of birth. And they rejoice over the privilege or the right to kill the unborn or to kill the newly born. That's not just unjust. That's injustice to the highest degree. And it's become a dominant opinion in our human race. Our government and our society protects Planned Parenthood, even though they were caught on camera boasting about brazenly selling baby parts. One Planned Planned Parenthood woman said she needed money for her Lamborghini, but they are trying to silence and imprison David DeLeden, who was the man who exposed their corruption. That's injustice. To the highest degree, our government is pushing a bill now called H.R. 5, the Equality Act, that will make it illegal for someone to counsel homosexuals and lesbians on how to come out of that lifestyle in order to be heterosexual. And that will be illegal. If a man identifies as a female, he will have access to women's bathrooms. Children will be taught to assess their sexuality in an early age and make a decide to become make a decision to become transgenders if they choose and parents aren't going to have a say so about that teachers are already being forced to use plural pronouns like they instead of he or she or suffer the loss of their jobs because they're not woke enough that's not being woke that's being deceived That's being subjected to a perverted mindset that is permeating our society. This will only magnify the gender dysphoria that is plaguing our world, fostered to a great degree by Hollywood, a plan that has been in the making for 40 years. Preachers will not not be able to stand up against the LBGTNQ agenda without serious consequences. They're already being silenced and imprisoned in Canada, and the United States is next. The list goes on. It's a slippery slope. If you cannot 
openly and freely declare your point of view with regard to human morality, then anything goes. Polygamy, child molestation, bestiality. Who's to say what is right and what is wrong? To silence those who disagree with this stance is not justice. It's injustice to the highest degree. A truly free society guards freedom of speech. And if you don't do it in the public forum, you're about to lose it. And if you don't get involved, those who want their agenda to dominate will get involved. The debacle of the last year with this engineered bioweapon called COVID-19 that created a pandemic that now people are discovering, yes, it really did come out of the Institute of Virology in Wuhan. It wasn't out of the wet market. Never, That was never believable to me. But what's going on over the last year and a half is full of injustices. Churches closed, businesses bankrupt. I get emails from around the world about people starving to death in third world countries from reputable sources, friends of mine, who say people can't go shopping, they can't get groceries, they're, they're uh, locked on lockdown in their homes. And this was a disease that has over a 99% survival rate if people get it. More people's lives are being destroyed by the supposed cure than the cause. And a known and celebrated eugenicist is the person who's attempting to set the health standard for the whole world. Now, wait a second. He has founded a group whose focus is the reduction of the human population. Do you really trust him to tell you what to do to preserve your life? when that person wants your life snuffed out, possibly because the human race, the planet is too populous and the population needs to be reduced. Mm. The cure has been far worse than the cause. Over 4,000 people have died from this experimental vaccine, which incidentally is not a vaccine by the traditional standard. It is genetic modification. And the bribery that's going on is horrendous. I personally know of someone who was in a car wreck. The artery in his neck was sliced. He was on a respirator for two months and died, and they labeled his death COVID-19. Why? Because the hospital gets $39,000. That's bribery. God over and over spoke in his word against unjust judges who were guilty of injustice in the way they dealt with different situations because they took bribes. Hospitals are taking bribes. Politicians are taking bribes. People, people in the business world are taking bribes because if they agree with the agenda that's going on, then they get payoffs. When are righteous people going to stand up for justice? Now our public institutions, including our schools, are all being indoctrinated into something called the critical race theory. I could do a whole program on this. And that is discrimination and racial justice and prejudice on the opposite extreme. Now it's not anti-black, it's anti-white. It's still racism, though, under the banner of being something to cure racism. It's extreme racism. 
So all people, according to this false, faulty system of thought, all white people are guilty of white privilege and guilty of being oppressors of other races. That's injustice. To make a blanket statement like that is injustice to the highest degree. There have been many white people who have lovingly served people of color, and many people of color have benefited from the activities that were fostered by a predominantly white group of people. And so they're not oppressors, they're liberators. People don't know it, but many years ago, Elizabeth and I helped uh, about 100 orphans in Nigeria have a secure life because we helped to pay for an orphanage that was about to be taken by the government there because the military had just seized the government. They were demanding payment of all outstanding debts. The minister of the gospel that had started this orphanage could not pay $10,000. We raised it for him in a week. And after that, I had about 100 beautiful, precious little black children that called me Grandpa <laughs> or Papa Shreve because I had helped bring security to their lives. My first pastor was a black man. Uh, in high school, I wrote a play about racism to try and awaken people out of that mindset. So I've been very passionate about this realization, this revelation that there's only one race, black, white, brown, yellow, and red, but there's only one race, and that's the human race. I believe it's not wrong to say we're colorblind. Martin Luther King dreamed of a day when people would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And Martin Luther King Jr. is one of my heroes. I believe he did an amazing work in our society that pushed us forward into a place where black and white and brown and yellow and red could all stand on equal on level ground together. And, and freedom would allow anyone to achieve high goals regardless of their skin color. Now the present mindset is going to set us back terribly. That's injustice. There have been grave injustices in every way, race. It's not just white people that have been oppressors. Genghis Khan was an Asian and he was murderous and bloodthirsty, killed his own brother in order to maintain his position. And then you know the history. I'm not ashamed of being white, but it doesn't make me any the slightest bit superior. No one should be ashamed of being black or brown. I don't even like calling people African-Americans or Asian-Americans. We're all Americans. We're, we're just different colors, but we're Americans, and that binds us together if you're a part of this nation. There have been injustices in other races. There have been black tribes that were given over to headhunting and cannibalism of other black tribes. So it's not just white people that have been oppressors. We've got to stand up against this false narrative Yes, it was a horrible thing that George Floyd died saying, I can't breathe. And I believe that police brutality needs to be addressed. But there are millions of good people 
who are policemen and policewomen and in our legal system that would stand up for the right of any person and defend and protect any person regardless of their color. So do we defund the police? That's absurdity. We should defend the police and make sure that these individuals that have racist attitudes are not allowed to continue in that position. And I could go on and on and on. The church needs to rise up and speak with wisdom, like Reuben. And I'm going to end with this. I need to end. Why do I say Reuben? Why would I say we need to be instruments of justice, like Reuben? Reuben didn't have exactly a good track record. He slept with his father's concubine. That was a really bad mar on his character. You can read about it in Genesis. That's the thing about the Bible. The Bible tells the whole story, all the sordid details, but it shows how God's grace can still move in a person's life. And yes, he had a bad track record, but when his 11 and when his 10 other siblings wanted that other brother, Joseph, to be snuffed out, to be killed, Reuben was the only voice of reason and justice. He knew he could not talk them out of doing something to Joseph. So he compromised to a certain degree to gain an edge. And he said, just sell him into slavery. Don't kill him. When really he would have preferred for him to be set free altogether. And of course, you know the rest of the story. Joseph's life was preserved. Eventually, he became the liberator of the whole family, even the very ones who had persecuted him. And if we are instruments of justice, our ultimate goal should be the liberation of the very ones who persecute us for our stand. Maybe we're not liked. Maybe we're not loved on the journey that direction. But as Martin Luther King Jr. said, and I've quoted him a lot on this podcast, if we do an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we will be a blind and toothless nation. And if we just strike back at people because of their attitudes and rant and rave on Facebook about how terrible they are, but we don't reach out to them in love to show the wisdom of a biblical worldview, then we haven't done our job. Let's be instruments of justice and let's make a difference in our world. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.